So welcome MindFitMove readers. Um, glad to see you all back again. So today I'm talking to Gordon Vigiano, Gordon and Jill Vigiano. Um, Gordon's career has included being a businessman, consultant, and entrepreneur, and he now has added stroke survivor to his list of accomplishments. Um, today we're going to talk about his journey of recovery from a stroke that dramatically changed his life and hopefully bring information, uh, inspiration to those of us who have faced, are facing, or will face dramatic challenges in our lives, which is probably all of us. So um, his blog is entitled My Brain Has a Hole in It, um, and uh, I saw him give a great presentation of the same title at a startup event in Portland recently, and it was just really inspiring and um, just really, um, really amazing. So I wanted to ask him to do an interview with us today, um, him and his wife to do an interview with us today. So um, thanks so much for joining us, Gordon and Jill, and um, welcome, welcome to, uh, to my interview. So um, how are you guys doing? Perfect. Good. Perfect is a wonderful way to be. So I'm, I'm at the beach this week, so if I see more relaxed, you know, give me a little bit of a break. So it's a rough life. So. All right, well, uh, why don't we just jump right in? So Gordon, um, Gordon and Jill, I'm curious, could you tell, uh, tell us a little bit about your story, um, what happened to both of you? What was it like immediately after your stroke? And what's, what's it like, uh, Ben, getting to where you are today? You know, I had a real pain I was going to do, and now I forgot. Oh, your hand is in front of your face. Oh. Um, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll take that. Um, one of the challenges that Gordon faces every day is uh, the stroke affected his language very significantly. Um, just to step back a little bit, you know, Gordon, perfectly healthy guy, you know, fit, active, no high blood pressure, no cholesterol issues, no risk factor guy, um, suffered a massive stroke as a result of dissected carotid arteries. And uh, it's one of those struck by lightning events. It's not predictable. They call it a spontaneous bilateral carotid artery infection. Uh, and the, the, uh, the result was that he lost the, the entire right side of his body as if there's a Sharpie that someone drew, drew down the middle of your by the entire right side uh, was paralyzed. He lost his speak, and he lost, he lost about 20 years of memory. So, um, yeah, it, it was a lot. And, um, you know, we, as much as we like to think we aren't that influenced by television, the truth is when you watch all these medical shows, you watch how dramatically people improve. And then in reality, you have a, a real moment where someone actually is, you know, seriously uh, ill, and recovery is very, very slow. So if you're you're sort of set up to have really, really poor expectations uh, for what reality really is. Um, so, so Gordon will have a hard time answering some of these questions because originating language is hard. Sure. He can read language very well. He can read it loud, no problem. But to originate, organize his thoughts, and to originate thought, much, much harder. So I'll probably end up answering a lot of the questions. But he's going to try. All right. Yeah. It's sad, but true. right? So immediate, your question was immediately following the stroke. Um, well, immediately, like couple of days uh, after the stroke, uh, after he was uh, allowed to awaken from his coma, he actually was recovering fairly well. He, he was 
starting to move his right side. He was remembering certain things. And his language was broken, but it was coming back. It was actually a week later that he went through horrible pain in his head and uh, woke up the next morning and had everything was gone. And so we really started over a couple of times. You know, you, you think you're starting over when they wake up from the coma, and it really, that was sort of the ratcheting down, and we really started from the bottom probably a week after the stroke. Um, and so it was, uh, it's, it's, you start prioritizing things in a very different way. You start, you know, first it was, uh, you know, was he going to live? And then was it, is he going to, is he ever going to be able to walk again? Is he going to be able to feed himself? Is he going to be able to take care of himself? He's going to be able to dress himself. So then, so then you start with those kinds of questions. And then as it starts to progress a little bit, you start to ask, you know, uh, more refining questions as, uh, as you continue through recovery. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that's great. That's great. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it's such, a, it's such an amazing story. I mean, this idea that we all think that um, our lives are very sad and we can plan very well, but then the unexpected always can change everything. Um, and uh, it really shows that how much of your life is about how you respond to those unexpected events as opposed to, you know, how well you plan because there's just some things you can't plan for. And I think you guys are <laughs> a great example of that. Um, I'm curious about right after the stroke, during the talk you talked about, um, you were living in just the left side of your brain, and it, it gave you a feeling of being very present and very satisfied. Um, yes. So, I guess, Jill, was that was it hard for you for to see Gordon? He seemed very at peace, but you were not at peace. So, was that was that hard for you to to balance yeah. that reality? So that is a, that was a real struggle because he's you know he's you know so out of touch with what's actually going on around him and yet he was so peaceful so and I, I had to you know as much as I wanted my partner to be panicking right along with me uh, that really wasn't the right thing and, and to what he needed to be was positive and uh, and not upset that would that would that would help nothing so I had to be very careful about what I said or did because I needed him to stay positive. That was, the, that was the only way he was going to be able to face what he was facing. First of all, he had no idea what he was facing because it didn't occur to him that he was in really, really bad shape. Mm. So for me to sit and tell him that he was in really, really bad shape wouldn't have been particularly helpful <laughs> because it was his positive attitude that, is, that was going to really help him through. So, uh, you know, all the seriousness, the, the, the weight of the situation, I had to keep that myself and handle it quietly without him because I had to remember he was the patient. I was the, I was the caretaker at that point. So it was my responsibility to take care of things. It was his responsibility to want to get better. So to, to, to lay things on him that would be scary or, uh, or oppressive in any way would have been, I, I think, a huge mistake. I don't think he would have necessarily understood 
But I think it would have been worse if he did understand because then it would have been it would have been a terrible situation. So no, I had to I, I really had to keep it separate. I had to let him be a patient who was working on, on getting better and I had to take everything else. Mm-hmm. So Gordon, do you do you still find it easy to be very present now uh, after your stroke this far after it? Um, what do you mean present? Just thinking about today. Yeah. Yeah. I feel great. I, when I wake up every morning, I look at the stars and say, thank you for, for making me alive again today. I just look at every day as a positive. That's great. That's great. Do you worry, uh, do you worry less than your wife does, Gordon? Majorly. <laughs> she, she's a worrier. She was always a worrier. That's it. I am a world-class worrier. I was trained by the best. You should meet my mother. Oh. <laughs> but you know what I have to say? I don't worry as much as I used to. I've, I've kind of checked that off my list. It, it doesn't help me. It doesn't get me any further. I still like to think two or three steps ahead, but I don't really like to think of that as worrying. Um, but I, um, I don't worry as much as I used to. There you go. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, you know, you both talk about how uh, faith and spirituality helped you this, through this ordeal. And, um, you know, what, if anything, about your experience has helped you gain a greater p- appreciation to your, um, for your connection to God, the divine, or um, an absolute reality? Um, I don't know if either of you want to talk about, you know, how God has become an important part or, or more important part of your life following this stroke. Is that that? No? I'll talk about that. <laughs> um, you know, we were always a Christian family, and we've been, you know, always involved in our church and our kids, you know, going through confirmation, all those kinds of things. So, so we always thought that we really relied on our faith. Um, and so this was, uh, I think, very difficult, very painful, but very positive experience faith-wise, because we... Uh, we were really threatened with losing absolutely everything. Well, in, in my case, losing my husband, losing my home, losing being bankrupt just by the medical expenses, and then and still having to figure out how to raise two kids. So really, everything was being taken away from me. You know, really, it was in in nine hours. I went from you know happy sleeping, middle of spring break, happy family, planning a vacation to Gordon having an eye issue, to an emergency room, to a second emergency room, to learning how, you know, a, you know, a, a very frank discussion with an organ donation lady, um, to not knowing if he was going to deliver die, and when he woke up, he was really broken. Hmm. Um, so in over a nine-hour period, all that happened. So uh, it, it was such a dramatic loss. Um, that it, it gave me the opportunity. I like to think of it as an opportunity. Um, can you close the door, please? Uh, it really gave me an opportunity to figure out where our priorities really were. Uh, we found that, you know, if, if, I don't know if you're a, a Bible reader, but, you know, this, it, when Jesus summarized uh, the, the Ten Commandments, he said, in, in summary, you put God first, and you treat others as you want to be treated. That, that's it. That's it. So we found out by, by losing everything or having that 
threat of losing everything. Um, we have what it meant to put God first. And there was, because there was nothing else, and there was nothing that was going to save us. So it was really an opportunity to find out what it really means to put God first and to still be able to pull it out of yourself to treat people the way you want to be treated rather than being a victim or being angry or being, we couldn't do that. We had to put God first and still treat others the way we wanted to be treated. So it was, it's a huge learning experience, Mm -hmm. not easy, but, uh, but it was, it's, it's been a huge blessing. And I think, oh, now we're five and a half years now post-stroke. So we've had time to, you know, it'd be really easy to slip back into, you know, vacations are more important. And, and oh, my gosh, we need to decorate the house again, or I need new clothes. I mean, it'd be really easy to fall into regular life again. So for me personally, I have really taken it as my challenge to remember what that feeling was. What was it like to lose everything or to be afraid and to say, you know what, I'm okay. If I had lost everything, I would have still been okay because I knew, you know, God was always going to be with me and that he would see me through, just like he did. That's great. That's great. Gordon, do you feel, um, do you feel closer to, to God today because, or your spirituality because of your stroke? Definitely. Um, I this is hard for me because whenever I talk about this, I um, I have a lot to say. You know, doors are coming out, but not consistent work. So I, um, so all I say is yes. <laughs> That's great. That's great. That's great. Um, He's a man of few words now. <laughs> That's all right. I like a man of few words. It's a good quality to have. I wish I had that quality some more sometimes. <laughs> Often I say things that get me into trouble, so I have to have learned to say less. So that's great. Um, do you does does your ability? So when you sh- express gratitude, you said when you wake up every day, you express gratitude. Um, do you think you feel gratitude more easily now after your stroke? Definitely. I mean, I, I feel gratitude for everything I get right now because when people are nice to me, I thank them, and I didn't used to thank them at all. But now I do. That's great. That's great. And then do you feel like, uh, do you feel closer to your family um, since your stroke? Does that brought you closer together? Um, well, you, say? <laughs> you know, uh, that, that's a good question. I, I'm not sure if I'd say it brought us closer. But I think, it, it, you know, our children had to grow up fast. Because they were 12 and 14 when this happened. And... I think they've been through an awful lot, but I think they've come through it really well. So I think the saving grace for our family is that Gordon has a wonderful sense of humor, and he's more than willing to laugh at himself. <laughs> so, so if he had not been able to laugh at himself, it would be a very tense household because the way the kids have dealt with it has really been a, a lot of making fun of him. If he makes mistakes, Oh my goodness, they love to point out and laugh at all the mistakes he makes. And the good thing is, is Gordon laughs right along with them. And so as a result, it brought us all back to together again in a much more normal feeling. So, you know, I, it was, we were always a close family, and I think we're still a close family. Um, and I think that it really because we were able to laugh 
and Gordon was able to laugh, and now the kids can laugh. And I'm not going to say that that happened quickly. It took time. Oh, yeah. Right in the beginning, it was wasn't pretty. No. In the beginning, you know, Gordon went through so many, you know, the, the healing process of the brain is so complicated and so erratic that there was no laughter. It took time to be able to introduce laughter again. But once we started getting there, everything went better. So, you know, the fact that, you know, I can laugh at myself, Gordon can laugh at himself, and the kids can laugh at us all the time. They don't like to be laughed at, but that's what the kids say. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but we, as long as we can laugh and joke about it and talk about it without being upset or tense or defensive, things are good. Great, great. Gordon, do you, uh, do you find yourself com- comparing your situation to other people, and is that difficult for you? No, not at all. I don't. I don't care about anything. I, just, I really don't. I I just feel happy all the time. I'm just. I'm trying to get better at what I do, but I don't care what other people are doing. I, I feel great for them. Again, I, I didn't used to feel great, but now I do. That's great, Jill. What about what about you? Um, that's you know that's one of the things that. Um, came with the decision, the decision to still be happy and the decision to still treat others the way I wanted to be treated. Um, and I, I make it a point to be happy for other people. I don't want to be resentful. I don't want to be, uh, you know, be upset. You know, we could have had that. You know, if this had happened to us, you know, we could have, I don't know, a place at the beach, you know. <laughs> you know, we could have had these things. I, I don't go down that road at all, and, and I really do try to be happy for people. She's really great at that, too. I admire her for it. And, I, and you know, and, and one thing I have learned by, you know, we give this presentation, you know, my brain has a hole in it, is, you know, afterwards, people come up and tell us, really, I mean, people are carrying around really heavy loads. You may not be able to see it because they're carrying on as if everything's okay, but people carry around some really devastating loads. So to uh, to waste our time judging someone or making assumptions about someone or, or a group, um, it, it's really a waste of time. I, I try to take the approach that, you know, everybody's carrying around something and that we should be happy with what we have um, and not not waste our time with pettiness or jealousy or, uh, or judgment of... Uh, Someone has it easier than us, or someone has it worse than us. We just don't waste our time with that. Yeah, I think that's that's really great. I mean, that's one of the things that I really appreciated about your presentation, Gordon, and your openness, Jill, was that you were willing to share this really vulnerable and difficult time in your life. I mean, it seems like with social media, things like Facebook and Flickr, people share the best parts, right? They want to just put on this image that everything about their life is wonderful and great, and I feel like there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, enjoying the good times, but I think that there's a lot of connection and community and deep sharing that can be experienced when people are willing to share the difficulties in their lives. Because it gives everyone permission to say, you know, um, I'm having a hard time with this too. I don't have to pretend that everything's okay. And um, so that was one of the things that I I really appreciated about your presentation was that you were willing to share what was a really hard time in your life and how you overcame that difficulty. As opposed to just saying like, oh, I had a stroke, no problem, everything's great now. Um, but really talk about the really hard stuff. I thought that was really, really valuable. So, so thank you so much for, for sharing that with, with people. I think it's a really great message. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, we, we, you know, people need encouragement, and that's, that is what we get over and over and over again every time we give that presentation. People need encouragement, and, and I think there's probably, maybe it's the social media, maybe it's just people in general, there's a lot of pressure to make it look like everything's great. And sometimes things are great, but sometimes things aren't, and that's okay too. There's, there's, no, there's no magic glass dome that's going to you know, get settled over us to keep anything bad from happening. And, and I think it would be more difficult to face the difficult times if you're thinking everybody else has it easy. They don't. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Um, well, my last question is the question I ask everyone. Um, I mean, you guys have both undergone a lot of transformation because of, um, of the events that have happened to you. And it, it seems like you've worked hard to really manifest change in your life since then. So there was the transformation that happened to you and then the transformation that's happened since the stroke. Um, so the question I ask um, everyone I do an interview with is, what are the factor, factors that help people really transform their lives? Um, so what are the main things that you think are important for someone who wants to transform their life? Um, well, I mean, for me, it was having a purpose in life because when I, when I, when I woke up from the stroke, I realized that I couldn't be a sales consultant anymore. People didn't want to listen to me. Um, and that's, that was really hard. And I, I finally found that giving the inspirational speak, people really like that. So I was able to find purpose of giving inspirational speak and I get joy out of giving it now. That's great. Well, and, for, and for me, I would say, you know, when, when we were at that moment where we were really facing, I, I was really facing losing everything, um, it, suddenly priorities become very clear. <laughs> the hierarchy of life and the priorities in life become very clear. And I, you know, I try to remember that. I try to remember that all this stuff isn't, isn't a high priority. You know, what's really important is, you know, my husband, my marriage, my faith, my children, and whatever else comes along with that is gravy. But my priorities are clear. And if I can just remember those and remind myself on a regular basis of what is important, all the unimportant stuff tends to fall away pretty easily, and, and life becomes much more um, powerful. Yeah, that's so great. I love that, the concept of, um, I mean, I know for me, having a very clear purpose in my life has really made all the difference. Um, and then also to really know what, what is important around those around that purpose. So what is the, for me, I call it my life vow. So I have a very specific life vow that I write every day my life vow is to be of deep and fundamental service to other people. And then um, around that vow, I have a few big priorities, which are, you know, spending time with my family, writing, and, um, you know, helping other people, specifically my clients. So I think that those two things are just right on and something that I've, I've really experienced as well to be true. Um, and I think that you are both, both of you are just a great example of two people who have taken a difficult situation and really refocused your life around core purpose and a real deep connection to spirituality and also really making priorities um, number one in your life. I think that's, it's really inspiring and I, you know, I, I, again, I just appreciate you guys sharing your story so much. Thank you very much for having us. It was really nice to be asked. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so everyone, please go check out uh, Gordon's blog. Um, his blog is called um, 
My brain has a hole in it, and I'll link to it below. So just check out the uh, the comments below, and you can uh, check out a link to it. It's great. He writes a really simple, beautiful blog um, about his everyday difficulties. And um, what I love about it is that it's so... Um, how do I describe it? I read a lot of sure. blogs that are just kind of lots of fluff and lots of lists, and he just puts you know his real everyday difficulties into it, and it's so authentic um, that I love reading it. And um, it's also it's a quick read, so he usually doesn't write a super long blog. So that's it. That's true. idea. What is it? And then um, I know that you you guys are gonna are you guys are doing your presentation around still. Is there a way if people would like to have you come and give your presentation? Is there a way they can contact you through the website or um, yeah. send you an email? Yeah. What's the best way? They contact me the website uh, or they can they can call me too. Okay. Um, but, but sure, go ahead. Five zero three three five eight seven two two. Okay, great. So yeah, if you if you need an inspirational talk, you're also a, a talk for salesmen now, right? As well. Yeah. Okay. That's really well. So if you need an inspirational talk or a talk for salesmen, I can tell you, running my own small business, inspiration in sales is key because it's really easy to get discouraged as a salesperson. Um, definitely yeah. contact Gordon. And um, again, thank you guys so much. Your story is really inspiring, and um, it was just I really had a great time talking to you at that event. You're very personable people, and um, it, it was really a pleasure to, to interview you guys today. So thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Sure, no problem.